Well, let me let me tell you. I just want to remind you of why we're kind of doing these Old Testament narratives. Um, my 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 goal is to give you a glimpse of of who God is. Like I want you to know God's heart. Um, you know, so often we have assumptions about God. You know, we've picked up little little bits and pieces, but um, but we don't really know Him. And so we're going to examine the life of a guy tonight that uh, just the, the, the narrative, the story, gives us an enormous glimpse of God's heart. Um, can anyone, does anyone want to take a stab and guess, you know, where we're going to go tonight? We've, we've been going to the most popular stories that you've learned. What have we not hit? Any guesses? We hit David and Goliath. You weren't there. You sinner. You sinner. What are we doing? Hold on. So what? Yes, we're looking at Jonah. We are looking at Jonah, the dude who the Bible says a great fish swallowed. And he lived there for three days. So open up to Jonah. It's a little bit before the New Testament. Um, I'm not going to read all these verses, but kind of chapter two um, is where I'm going to kind of camp and, and, and show you most of the stuff from Jonah. So, so kind of get there. I'll kind of paraphrase some of it for you. I want to move through the story. It's really not a long book. I mean, it's four chapters. I'm not going to read all of those, though. But here's kind of the gist of what I want to get, uh, what, what I want you to get tonight in looking at Jonah, okay? Um, Jonah's a, a pretty good guy. I mean, he was a, he was a religious guy. Um, he was a popular guy, you know, a pretty well-liked guy. And we're a lot like him in this. He received a call from God, like a, a, not a literal call, but he received a, a hard call from God. And what did he do? He fled. And naturally, that's what every one of us does. So I want to look at how we're like this guy. And that could have been the end. God could have said, hey, I'm God. I created everything. Um, Jonah, do this or behave this way or be this. And that could have been the end. Jonah would have gone, eh, nah, I'd rather not. I'm going to hop on a ship and I'm going to flee. And God could have gone, oh, okay, you want to run? You want to, you want to run away from me? You want to go? Cool, then I'm going to uh, let a big version of Nemo eat you, you know, and, and digest you. You're not going to just hang out there. This is it. But we know the story. That's not what happens. And here's the big thing that I want you to get really tonight is this. God pursues runners, and before you think, oh, I'm not a runner, you're born, we're all born runners. And yet God pursues us. He pursues rebels. He pursues those who, who try to escape his life-changing grace. He pursues. All right, so here's kind of the story. Jonah, he's on the run from God. He got a, he got a hard call from him. But, you know, you think about it, any call that God gives to humanity is hard because we're, that means we're obeying someone other than ourselves. And we don't like to do that, right? We're hardwired to obey us. We're hardwired because of sin to go, I am supreme, I am king, I am God. So anything that someone else asks me to do is hard. So he gets this call, you know, verse three, but... Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So God is, is asking his creation to do something. Eh, but Jonah rose to flee 
from the presence of the Lord. Ah, you know what? No, thank you. I'm out of here. And he's about to climb aboard this ship and he's in a huge hurry to flee. In fact, he paid three times the normal boat fare to get on this boat just to get out. Three times the normal amount that it would cost to get on a boat and take a ship, you know, take a trip somewhere. He pays three times the normal amount to go and do that. Why? He's in such a hurry to flee from God's presence. You know, that's, that's an interesting thing about sin to me. We're willing to make such huge sacrifices. We're willing to throw so many things away, or we're, really, we're willing to pay so much because we think it's going to bring us deliverance. I mean, think about the ways that we do this. Think about the ways that you do that with your bodies. You know, you, you, you pay such a, a high price because you want to feel connected to someone. You know, you want to feel loved by someone. Think about the high price of, of just our identity that we pay with our time, oftentimes with our money. Man, I know people who just drop so much money on their outward appearance, you know, how they look, because they're looking for deliverance. They're looking for some kind of acceptance, some kind of identity. And Jonah here is going, I don't care what it costs. I got to get away from God. And the very thing that he's paying three times the amount for is the thing that almost kills him. Yeah, I want to pay, I want to, I want to, take my life savings and pay to get on a boat in which I'm about to be thrown overboard into the raging sea. But sin does that, doesn't it? It makes us crazy. It blinds us and it makes these promises and we pay so much. So in his running, Jonah loads up on this boat and he's thinking that he's headed for freedom. And then verse four happens, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. You know what? It's there. Do you have any doubt now who's in control of this story, of this scene? Jonah's like, ha ha, watch this, God. You can't go into the sea. I'm gonna get on a boat and get away from you. And God goes, okay, watch this. Huge storm. There's no doubt in, 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 of who's in control of this story. And you're going, well, well, that would probably get his attention, right? Huge storm. Oh, wait a minute. What does verse five say? He's basically just chilling out. The mariners were afraid. Yeah, each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So not only is he running, he really doesn't care. I mean, he's like on the, you know, in the basement of this uh, carnival cruise liner on a futon, just kind of like, yeah, we can stream some Netflix, just kind of hanging out like, yeah, I'm on the, I'm running. And, and I really don't care. So far, Jonah's fleeing is not developing into the free, easy, exciting life that maybe he had imagined. But what it does is lands you sleeping in the bottom of a ship that's about to be ripped to shreds. And sometimes you don't even know. You remember the younger brother in the, in the prodigal son parable? You know, he was the kid who comes to his dad. Hey, give me my inheritance now. I want to go overseas and, you know, party. And it's going to be way better than this boring little life. And this, you know, my older brother, oh, he's so perfect. Give me the money now I'm going. And you remember he goes and I'm sure he had some really memorable nights. But where does he end up? Like worse than a homeless person is eating pig slop. 
And sin has this quality about it, though, that it, it, it makes a lot of really good promises to us. And we're going, that looks so much better. And yet Jonah's in the bottom of a ship that's about to be ripped into shreds. And he seemingly doesn't even know what's going on. I mean, look at his reply there in verse 12. This is unbelievable. They're going, what's going on? Who are you? Uh, you know, why is the, this, this crazy storm happening? And they're trying to calm it down. And in verse 12, he goes, you know what? Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet for you. For I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Now, don't, don't gloss over that. Now, we know what happens, right? We're on this side of the story. So we can look back and go, well, sure. He, you know, he, he, he lands himself in, in the belly of a big fish hanging out for three days. He's okay. Jonah doesn't know that. So what is this? When he says, hey, hurl me over. It's, this is, I know this is because of me. It's my God, not your little gods. They don't exist. This is my God, the sovereign God. He's mad and uh, it's because of me. Just throw me over. Guys, that's, that's suicide. He doesn't know that there's going to be a fish down there that's going to swallow him and that God has appointed and ordained for that to happen. I mean, do you see where his descent has, has gotten him? From God asking for a thing to going, you know what? No, I'm out of here. And he's just getting further and further and further and further into the hole where literally his last resort was suicide. Just throw me over. And that's what sin does. Well, the guys, you know, that he's with, they still can't fathom taking a a live human and and killing him, tossing him overboard, but they're out of options. And so kind of, you know, hesitantly, they go, well, gosh, we got to do it. That's what he said to do. So they throw him over and the deed is done. Jonah's now into the sea and, and so the storm is gone. And verse 17 tells us, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, guys, that's, that's quite a scene, isn't it? I mean, to think over that, like, really and actually happened, that's quite a scene. So I got three quick things, practical things to take away from this scene. And, and here they are. And they all lead us to God's heart. They all lead us to the gospel, his pursuing runners. First is this, God's grace is persistent. It's persistent. Jonah couldn't outrun God's grace. He, he, he tried to, he wanted to, but his grace was persistent. So famous author, uh, C.S. Lewis, he was an atheist. At one time he was an atheist and, um, and his, he has a book called Surprised by Joy. And, and he talks about the years that he spent as an atheist but he knew that God was after him. You know, his, his way of running was intellectual, but he knew this God of grace was just not letting up. And he, and he says this, I had always wanted above all things not to be interfered with. I mean, is that not 2014, man? Just, just don't interfere with me. I'd always wanted above all things not to be interfered with. I had wanted my soul to my own, but God interfered. You must picture me alone in that room, night after night, feeling whenever my mind lifted, even for a second from my work, the steady and unrelenting approach of him whom I so earnestly desired not to meet. 
he tried to run in different ways. You know, he didn't, C.S. Lewis didn't have to hop onto a boat to try to get away, but he tried to run from God's presence. He tried to run from God's grace, and yet it was persistent. John Piper, he's a pastor, theologian. Um, He had a son, Abraham Piper. He did the same thing. Pastor's kid, I mean, decent Christian home growing up as John Piper is your dad, right? Your dad and your pastor. And uh, in his late teen years, he decided, I don't believe in God. You know, this stuff that my dad, my parents, and my church have been shoving down my throat for years. You know what? I don't, I don't believe in God. I, I want to run away from that. I want to run away from him. And when asked why he did that, hey, why, why did you do that at the time? You know, was it this intellectual, I just really started to, to, you know, do the math and man, it just didn't add up. It didn't make sense. He said, no, I wanted to tr- uh, drink cheap beer and sleep around. That was his excuse for running, fleeing. And yet, if you read in his testimony, he talks about how God's grace just kept on, kept on, kept on coming after him. God's grace is persistent. Now, some of you in this room, maybe I could substitute the word some and say many of you in this room are running. And your running looks different. Sometimes it's just outright rebellion. You know, things that are uh, socially uh, taboo in our Christian circles, things that we could identify as, oh, he's gone off the deep end. That's what we'll always hear. You know, when, when you get calls from people in college and I'm, at, I'm checking up on their other friends, they've, they've gone off the deep end, man. Or they've just changed, you know, which is fill in the blanks. So sometimes it looks like that. Sometimes it's internal and it's just kind of inch by inch by inch by inch. You started here and you're just kind of, starting to walk. And that walk slowly turns into a jog, which slowly turns into a run. But I see many of you running. Sometimes you run by the people that you look to, to find value. Sometimes you run by the changing identities that you always have. You know, so much of high school, you're trying to figure out who you really are. You know, what is my style? What friend group do I belong in? You know, what music do I like? What stuff, am I, am I artistic or am I kind of this? Am I that, am I this? And I see you running in that you're trying to find who you are and you morph into all these different identities. It reminds me of someone in a maze who's like goes to this door to get out and it's locked and they just frantically go to this door and it's locked. You know, for, for you, maybe it's this guy. Uh, okay, that's not gonna do it. You know, oh, for some of you, it's oh, this girl. She's gonna do it. That relationship didn't do it. Oh, it's this stuff. That'll do it. And you run and you run and you run. And the sovereign God in this story is making a very big point to Jonah. He's going, hey, my grace is persistent. My grace is persistent. You're not gonna outrun me. Next thing is this, God's grace can look like a storm. Um, my initial understanding of this story for so many years was if you do a bad thing, God might kill you. And I think that's so, that's, that's been, you know, so many of your views like, dang, you don't mess with him, you know, because the next time we go on a family cruise on spring break, he's going to tear the ship in half, you know? And that's not at all what this is. We think this was Jonah did bad. God punished Jonah. 
unmerited mercy and grace is for those who are in great danger and don't even realize it. Uh, when I was younger and I was paying for my own car insurance, something happened. I was either switching companies or, or the policy date overlapped and it ended up for about a month. I didn't know it until after the fact I was uninsured, you know, which is a big deal. If someone hits you, that means, oh, too bad. Or if you hit someone like, okay, you know, say you injured them, we need like $180,000 cash, you know, to pay for our car and the medical bills and all that good stuff. But at the time for that whole month, I thought I was covered because I did what I always do. I write the check to the insurance thing. I sent it in. So I'm driving, you know, like a normal 18 year old, you know, very safe and always the speed limit. Um, so I'm going, yeah, I'm good. I mean, I'm insured. And, and I wasn't. And Jonah seemingly, and, and many of you seemingly go, huh, I'm pretty good. God's not a, a huge part of my existence. He's not messing with me too much. I'm not messing with him too much. Guys, it's God's mercy that he sent a storm in Jonah's life. That wasn't punishment. It wasn't punitive. It wasn't to punish him. It was mercy. It was something that God would sovereignly use to wake him up. Do you understand that? Sometimes God wakes us up through storms. I mean, Jonah is sleeping. He's sleeping through all of this. What Jonah thinks he wants is for God to leave him alone. Oh, no, he doesn't. No, you don't. I know there's probably been a time where you're going, man, I wish I could just be free. You know, I wish the rules, I wish God, I wish this Christianity stuff, I just wish it would lighten up. I just would love for it to go away, maybe just for four years, I don't know, after high school. If, it would just, if he would just go away, let me be free, that would be awesome. Oh, you don't know what you're asking for. C.S. Lewis says, the hardness of God is kinder than the softness of men and his compulsion is our liberation. You see, the worst kind of slavery, the worst kind of slavery that you can experience is slavery to yourself. What the world says is being free is slavery. Self-reliance and self-dependence. What the world says is freedom, doing what I want, when I want, that is slavery. Following God, obeying God, honoring God, that is freedom. Storms can be merciful. They can wake us up. Sometimes storms look like this. Sometimes storms are car wrecks. Sometimes storms are breakups. Sometimes storms are divorces. Sometimes storms are injuries that mean we can't play anymore. Sometimes it's a bad test score that means we, we don't get in. Sometimes it's an economic downturn. Sometimes it's an overdose. You see, God's grace can look like a storm, but its intent is to pull those whom he is after in very close. Last thing and we're done. Oh, sorry, I gotta show you this clip. Um, have you ever seen The Fugitive? No one's seen The Fugitive? Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford. It's one of the greatest movies ever. All right, so in The Fugitive, you have this guy, he's been falsely accused, you know, of doing a thing. And Tommy Lee Jones is the head of, I guess the FBI or something like that. They're out looking for him. What is it? He's a marshal. 
Yes, that's right. I'm a fool. This, throw the sermon away. It's ruined. So, so they're looking for him. And I just want you to hear the expense that they go to to make sure they find this guy. All right, check this. Listen up, ladies and gentlemen. Our fugitive has been on the run for 90 minutes. Average foot speed over uneven ground, barring injuries, four miles an hour. That gives us a radius of six miles. What I want out of each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, and doghouse in that area. Checkpoints go up in 15 miles. Your fugitive's name is Dr. Richard Kimball. Go get him. So the whole premise behind the movie is, I mean, they are moving heaven and earth to find this guy. They're moving heaven and earth to find him. And listen, God does the exact same thing for his people. God's grace, it spares no expense. I mean, they're turning over, you know, cities and going here and there and there because they are after this runner. They are after this fugitive. Well, guys, our guide is not an angry Tommy Lee Jones who is after someone who he thinks has committed a murder. But our God is a self-giving father who spares no expense to come after his people, to come after a fugitive, to come after a runner. And you go, well, huh, how did he do that? You want an example of how massive God's mercy is and how he will spare nothing? It's in the person of Jesus. You want to talk about sparing no expense, Jesus, God becoming man and condescending into this messy earth on our behalf. That's not a a sweet, quiet, moral gesture. That's a loud, expensive, huge, massive statement of grace. I mean, of all the world religions, only Christianity does God become a man. Jesus is the storm. He was sent to come after rebels and he delights to do so and spares no expense that God himself, the creator God of the world himself would come and rescue us. So let me close with this. Um, Many of you are in storms right now. And again, they look different. Many of you are running right now And your running looks different. Sometimes your running looks like this. I'm going to be a really good boy. I'm going to be a really good girl. All that is is trying to save yourself by doing things, doing something. Some of you are running by abject rebellion to God and all things Christian and all things mom and dad or all things school. That's your running of choice. There's, there's a variety of different ways that you're running and there's a variety of different storms that are in your life right now. And I will tell you this, if you don't view those storms as sovereign intervention into your life, you're gonna get angry, you're gonna grow bitter and cold towards God. Whatever the situation is, the question is this, are you sleeping on the bottom of a boat right now, or are you crying out to God from the deck? 
Psalm 107 is incredibly helpful in this area. It's long. I'm not going to read it. Go home and read it. Psalm 107, Psalm 107. But here's what that Psalm is. It's people who are suffering. It's people where storms are in their life. Some because of their own running, because of their own sin, some because of other sin, some because of God's sovereign intervention. But here's the refrain that happens over and over and over again in Psalm 107. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Are you doing that? Because God's ultimate pursuit of sinners is found in Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Is he your refuge? You know, Jonah, he, he finally wakes up in this story and, and he begins to start to put some things together in this horrible storm. My question to you would be, where are you? Have you cried out to the Lord in your time of trouble through the person of Jesus? Have you just cast your life and your problems and your cares upon him and said, I'm sick of running. Here I am, take me. That's a beautiful gospel that God pursues runners and we're all runners. So where are you? Let me pray. Father, we're so grateful uh, for your word, Lord, that you would speak to us through a book or that you would speak to us as people can, can teach us about what this book means and how it's supposed to show up in our life. Lord, it's just a kindness from you and we thank you for it. Lord, there are many in this room who are fleeing and and it looks different in so many different lives. Lord, I pray that your grace would continue to be persistent. I pray that storms, maybe that they're right in the middle of or that storm that's gonna happen next semester or next year or in college or after, Lord, allow for people to view those storms as sovereign intervention into their life and allow that to be the means in which they say, okay, here I am, have all of me. Thank you for your grace, Lord. It it has spared no expense, and we see that in the fact that you sent your one and only son to die on our behalf. It's in his name that we pray and ask all these things. Amen.